0: Hey y'all, it's your favorite host and I wanted to just pop in here to say uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier which gives you access to the Discord and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier an eight dollar tier uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad free um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro rpgs that i create in the future yeah so again uh thank you so much for listening to the show um if you'd like to give additional support that's one way to do it another great way to do it is just you know go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast subscribe Uh, Follow, leave a review if you can. Um, Those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. me today i have a new guest um this person is a narrative writer for both uh, video games and ttrpgs and has recently come out with a ttrpg sport so yeah if you would like to introduce yourself
1: absolutely yeah that that was pretty good i'm jeffrey golden uh as you said i'm a narrative designer and writer for video games and ttrpgs i've uh, written for capcom square enix disney interactive um, and some of my tabletop projects include Helm Grey Castle for Image Comics and Wet Hot American Summer Fantasy Camp. And uh, yeah, my fir- I, I just debuted, I uh, did my first, I've, I've been doing TTRPG stuff since like 2012, but this is the first time I've done something for the DM skill. And yeah. it's called Target Run, and it's a D&D sports comedy adventure uh, in the tradition of like a Caddyshack or uh, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it includes a playable... Uh, D&D sport called Allagan.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get into all of that. But where I always like to start is like, how did you get into nerd stuff in general?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I I don't remember a time when I wasn't into nerd stuff. Um, And in fact, one of the first things that like my parents, like one of the, you know how your parents always tell you like stories about when you were like a kid and the, yeah, the fir- the first one is that i knew how to operate the vcr in our house before anybody else knew how to do it so and it's because i loved the muppets i loved sesame street and the muppet show so and we had the vhs tapes and yeah. so but everybody else was somehow confused by it but i was like very i just picked it out put it in i controlled it you know um so yeah ever since i was uh, I, there's never been a time i wasn't into something that would be considered nerdy yeah. Um, uh, but then in terms of, um, in terms of TTRPGs, uh, that's, that's, I got into those in high school. Um, I played, um, I, I was never, Dungeons and Dragons didn't really appeal to me. I had a lot of friends who played it. I liked, uh, Magic the Gathering. But yeah. I mostly liked it because it was a trading card game. And I really liked trading cards. I was very gotcha. into trading cards. And I thought the art was cool. But I was never big into the fantasy aesthetic growing up. Not like a big Lord of the Rings token guy, you know? Yeah. And so D&D didn't... It just seemed like, oh, okay, that's... I like I liked Star Wars a lot. I was big into space stuff. And I was really big into superheroes, which were... At that time, I would say, so this would be like the mid to late 90s, sort of a downturn in superhero yeah. culture. Not like a great time. Like, if you were re- like, I I read X Men comics, and that was like, that's considered like a, a rough time. Uh, the mid 90s <laughs> considered like a rough time for Marvel as they were fighting just to stay alive um, as yeah. a company, uh, let alone produce anything good. But, um, well, but I, I remember. A good
0: cartoon. The They're just the, good.
1: Yeah, that that was early. That's sort of I think I think of the X Men the animated series as being sort of the tail end of the great like '90s X Men because that that's like that I consider that like early '90s and that yeah. show is fantastic. I swear by that show. I love uh, yeah. I love X Men the animated. Series. I actually one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite things I have on the I collect autographed books. I really like autographed books, and one of my favorites is uh, I went to Comic Con one year and the creators of the show uh they produced they wrote a book about mm-hmm. the making of the show and they were signing it at the show and I got a signed copy from oh, uh, from cool. the some of the executive producers which is really cool. Um yeah. the um big beast guy myself uh yeah, very sure. very much into the beast. Okay, good. All yeah right,
0: I, I love I love all if character has like high intelligence I'm 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 there for it. So
1: I once thought about commissioning like a painting where it was like all of like the smart one characters from various 80s and 90s cartoons. yeah. So like uh, it, your Donatello's, your mm-hmm. beasts, your brainy Smurf like all together in like some kind of like brain trust or something like, yeah. some, something like that, some kind of laboratory. <laughs> um, but I, I, so I was invited in, as uh, my, so I played some magic and um, but then a f- uh, couple of friends started playing um aberrant which uh i don't know if you're familiar with that game Mm -hmm. it was uh it was used to be published by white wolf and it's currently published by onyx and uh and it's basically x-men the ttrpg but not marvel branded it's like a new take on uh so you you play as characters called novas who uh who are humans who suddenly come into their powers and you go on like missions with your friends and uh, and I loved that game. I, I thought that it was so cool. I loved the storytelling aspect. I love the uh, I I loved creating a superhero character. I love fighting with my friends. I, I, I thought it was so neat. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so so for me that was the thing that was sort of my uh, that was the game that was sort of my gateway into yeah. uh, into TTRPGs.
0: Did you ever did your opinions on fantasy as a genre ever change?
1: I mean, because obviously, real
0: in D anD D now, so like, yes, uh, you know what,
1: it it, it definitely changed. Um, and I I think one of the things that I like about D anD D is that it is in fact very flexible in mm-hmm. terms of the fantasy genre. It actually, it, it, I've seen modules that encompass everything from you know horror to pirate adventure you know, to, uh, to even to sci-fi. I mean, they did, they, they did official sci-fi get, you know, yeah. uh, a whole, it's off. So, so, you know, it, it seems it's, as I got more into D&D and started understanding it more, I realized it wasn't all, you know, it, it wasn't all uh fancy talking elves, you know, that there <laughs> was more, that there was a lot more to it than that. Um yeah. And so that, uh, that sort of let me in a little bit more. Um, and plus like, it's in terms of TTRPGs, it's like D and D is like 90% of the hobby. Mm-hmm. Like, and then it's like you have Eldritch horror, which is like 5%. And then you have star Wars, which is like 3%. And like everything else is like fighting for 2%. Um, mm-hmm. You know? So if you want to play these games with your friends, you, you gotta, you gotta learn to play Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's just, it's hard not to. Yeah, um, certainly. I
0: mean, I think it, it, they're, um, Relatively speaking, I think it's getting easier because there are more people who want more than what D&D has to offer. Um, I was even thinking about it myself, um, and I, I kind of go back and forth about like tweeting stuff out because I kind of just hate Twitter in general. Um, um, but one of the things that I was uh, recently thinking about was I was watching um, Naruto Shippuden and... Um, I don't know if you watch anime at all, but there's a scene where they. I
1: I was I I had my anime period, is uh is also the my the the bad X-Men period. So it's be like mid to late nineties, <laughs> early aughts. So so like um I'm not familiar with Naruto, but I am familiar with your with your Cowboy Bebop's, your yeah. Neon Genesis. I've seen all of Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, both to my delight and frustration. Yeah. Um, to the, your, your moons of sailor all those that's my that's sort of my school
0: of it gotcha yeah so essentially um, they there's this person that gets resurrected this like legendary ninja and he proceeds to just beat the shit out of like a thousand regular ninjas and right. so when I was watching this I was like this is how to me personally how I think level 20 fighters and monks should feel but it's impossible because the mechanics are not there like nobody wants to roll that much in the first place um you would never have like the, the action economy to hit that many people in a matter of six seconds or whatever um and so i think there's a lot of people that look at games where they enjoy combat but they say okay i can play masks now and use a pbta system And just go and narrate how this looks, and then when I have to roll for something that has consequence, then I make those rolls. Um, And you can have those scenes that feel that way, where you actually feel that kind of power. Because I think a lot of times, like, yeah, your your level 20 hero is going to hit hard and do a lot of damage, but the way the game is designed and scaled in the way that most people GM those situations, you never have those like moments where it's like, Oh yeah, I just defeated a hundred warriors. And
1: yeah, know, I like, guess the, I guess there's those, <laughs> there's those abilities where you like multi-strike abilities where you could do where you could, but I, I've never heard them go beyond what could two, three in a turn. Exactly. Like a level
0: 20 fighter specifically could, you know, with action surges could do like eight attacks. Okay, right. Which is a lot in D&D, but that's not a lot in... In terms of anime. Yeah, yeah. yeah, When we're talking like a storytelling narrative sense, like that's what I'm saying. So I think that there's a lot of people that are looking at those games now and saying, yes, D&D is the gateway for sure. But, you know, one, uh, D&D and so many of those other games have been so whitewashed for so long that it's a lot of people who are now coming into are looking for something different and two they don't want that system anymore. they don't want right. a quote-unquote war game feel like they did.
1: So. that's cool yeah i mean I, I i have friends who design uh i mean i've designed some some indie rpt rpgs myself and i have yeah. friends who have too and, and a lot of the ones that that uh, you know i i can see the trend for uh you know for um cozy games for social game you know for yeah. for more more leaning more on the social and exploration uh pillars rather than combat yeah. um yeah i i see it and i support it i think it's really cool um yeah. yeah it's it's just that like it's still like i mean okay you have a lot of people getting into the hobby now from critical role and from mm-hmm. um you know from these actual plays and it's like i i do an actual play um RPG podcast with my friends, and yeah. uh we do, and and we do a system that isn't D and D. But you look at the list, and it's you know of like what's out there, and it's like mm-hmm. again, it's like ninety percent D and D. It's like everybody's playing D and D, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so, so I hear you. It's it may take a while. You may play the yeah, game yeah. for for a little for a couple of years, and then you might be like, what else is out there?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um you, we were kind of going into like the the fantasy side of it. Did like have you has your opinions on it changed in the sense of like you now enjoy those books or those TV series for instance, things like that or are you still like as a genre you just do not like it? It's
1: you I like it. What I do mean? like it, but <laughs> I again, I like it because I like it because it's so easily encompasses other Mm-hmm. genres that's yeah. what i think like that you can innovate like as a creator i like it because you can yeah. innovate on top of it because yeah. it has a there's a, a it gives the audience a, a strong set of expectations of mm-hmm. like what to expect so when yeah. you subvert them they're really it's really funny and interesting and yeah. cool um as a but am i gonna like am i gonna watch like the new Amazon Lord of the Rings probably not.
0: Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say The Wheel of Time. I was like you should watch it first of all.
1: Uh, oh, okay. Well, I, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know about The Lord uh, of the Rings is, yet. Yeah. I yeah. like wizard I like wizards. Yeah. Like as an idea, like like, yeah. like like magic, like yeah. as an idea, I like it. Um, but not into Harry po- not into Harry Potter either. Yeah, maybe not maybe a big that, Harry yeah. Potter guy. Yeah uh didn't do it for me but i i i like i like magic i don't know i think i like space wizards that are like my favorite that's like my favorite i just want to I mean, take yeah. that, the wizard archetype and just put them in space for some yeah. i just don't want it to be in medieval england <laughs> yeah, in, a, yeah. in, an, in an analogous like medieval england anymore yeah. like i yeah. want to take that wizard and put them other pl- like put it other way but i like it i like a a, a a a person who can conjure things who can like turn things into other things who has to rely on some kind of mystical force energy in order to do those those incredible things that all work. i love that i think that's yeah. that's so that's so fun that's so yeah. cool
0: yeah definitely so, you know, you started playing TTRPGs in high school, you said, right? Yeah. In uh oh, so. in high school, yeah. Yeah. So, what was that um I don't know where you grew up, but like did you was there a lot of diversity where you grew up? Like was was that something that was you were involved in in your tables at an early age?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, particularly with Magic the Gathering. Our group was uh was very diverse um who played that. I went to a school that was uh 50% uh poc 50 percent white uh okay. it was by design it was a magnet school and uh for for middle school and high school okay. um and it, so my class was always my class was always diverse and my friend group was always pretty diverse too yeah. um for that particular game i don't rem- i don't remember i don't think it was I, the, for that ttrpg i don't think it was but for the magic for magic absolutely um yeah everybody was playing, all the, the, all the nerds were playing magic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We were all doing that. Uh, the, um, as I grew up, I would, yes, it was, it became the, my tables were pretty diverse in terms of who I was playing with. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and not like, not by design, just more like happens, just more like a happenstance like kind of thing. It,
0: were, yeah.
1: I, you know, I think back in the day, back in back in my day um so i you know i grew up with the internet but mm-hmm. not like the internet right like to give you to give i don't I, so you're maybe a little younger than i am if you're a naruto so I'm fan I, yeah. oh okay yeah 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 you're not that much i'm i'm 39 you're not right. that much younger um no. but for me when i was growing up the internet was a choice that you made you yeah. went on the internet, yeah. so so you had friends or people who you met on the internet, but they weren't like your friends. Right. Like your friends were the people who you knew in real life. Like they weren't like <laughs> yeah. people who were constantly like blowing up the device that you were talking to all the time. Who you're talking to all the time. Yeah. Um. So. So for me, like, growing up as a somebody who identified as a nerd, mm-hmm. like, when I was in nerd spaces, typically I would find those spaces would be diverse, not necessarily by design, it was just because, like, where else would you go? Yeah. Like, to peop- like, to find these people, like, to find these people. Like, you know, so there, there weren't enough of us to... To split off into, you know, to, to split yeah. ourselves off into into racial groups, yeah. so we all got, to, so we all got to be good friends with each other. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so it, I think it's good in a way. I think it's yeah. good in a way. Um, there were disadvantages, of course. You know, I mean, the internet at that time was, you know, was very seg was was probably very segregated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just by nature of like who could afford to be on it. Um, probably more, probably more white and male than anything else. Um, So, uh, so yeah, my, 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 at that time, I would say the people who I was talking to in real life were probably a lot more diverse than the people I was talking to on uh, online (laughs) in my uh, America online X-Men fan forums, uh, (laughs) you know? Uh, So, so yeah, that's that. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's always been a part of my life and my experience for sure.
0: That's awesome. So, um, you know, when did you start to, um, like move into narrative writing and stuff like that? Yeah. Cause um, I, I, I have more, I have, I guess I should say, obviously you listen to my show so you understand yeah. like the kind of the framework of, of what secret nerd is about. But I, I, I think in order to get to like follow up questions to that, I would like to know your experience or to expand on it. So, um, I'm an open book. Yeah, we're, so when it listen, came to narrative writing, let's you know let's talk about yeah. that because I'm interested to see like how did that start, and then we can kind of go from there.
1: Absolutely. Um, so uh, I did not realize, and I, I, I that you could make a living writing games. Um, I knew that people wrote games, and I knew that like products were sold, <laughs> and so in theory some. But it never occurred to me. And in fact, when I had asked about it to industry folks, um, you know, did research on it, uh, I mostly found out that games, like, especially like early Nintendo games and stuff, they were written by, like, the, the manuals were written by, like, marketing departments and, like, the st- any stories were, like, written by programmers. So, like, you really had to be, there There weren't, like, I, I self-identified from a very young age as a writer. I, I knew I always wanted to be a writer. like. For a little while, I thought maybe I'd be a cartoonist, like I could draw too, but I, I didn't have the hand for it. So I always knew I wanted to be a writer. So whatever I did, I knew it had to be something related to writing. So it never occurred to me that I could do narrative design, um, that it was a field. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, I came out to LA, um, to Los Angeles, to pursue a writing career, um, uh, one of the first jobs that I got was for an, a flash animation website. So this this was be you know mid-aught so this was like the era of like new grounds if you remember that site in that's terms of like area. yeah in, in terms of like internet content this would be like pre-youtube basically okay. like yeah. the flash oh homestar Runner would be like the per, would be like the prototypical example of like a that that's like the that's like the mickey mouse of flash animation websites okay. that that's the best one if you don't know homestar Runner, then there's no other one that i could that i could pull out. There's no other reference I could pull out. Gotcha. Um so uh anyway, I was writing for not Homestar Runner. I was writing for <laughs> a, a much worse one of those websites. But they uh they started doing animation and then they branched out into games and they were like, hey do you want to write the stories for these games? We're doing like parodies of RPGs and other things. We're doing some client work, some uh, action games for Oakley sunglasses and stuff like that. And they were like, you want to write the scripts for them. And I was like, oh sure, that sounds like fun. Yeah. um and it was um and the next uh, job i got i was uh the lead writer for an mmorpg from the makers of neopets um yeah. which uh another uh, uh another oddity of this of the <laughs> internet um yeah. and so uh yeah over the yeah. years I, I i over the years i did a lot of different writing i wrote in a lot of different medias but i always sort of came back to games and finally um about three years ago, I decided to focus on game writing full time because I realized it was kind of the thing that I loved doing the most. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do those other things anymore. Uh I just wanted to do game writing. And yeah. uh and so I focused on it and uh it led to a lot of uh, led to a lot of great things. Um as I've I talked a little bit about some of the credits, some of the, the places I've worked for and uh yeah. some of the, the projects I've done. I, I think I shipped something like uh six or seven games in twenty twenty one. Um of different in, of, in different places including yeah. uh, you know mobile games and console games and stuff it's been a it's been a wild year so so uh so yeah that's sort of my journey for uh as a narrative designer
0: yeah that's awesome so when it came like when it comes to that now like as your focus um are you doing like the dialogue stuff or are you doing like full stories of different games um, it's both. to the extent that you could talk about it because i'm sure there's probably some of it yeah you can but
1: um, yeah. yeah, like... the, No, it, it, it ranges wildly. I mean, right. I'm, I'm uh, the, the classic uh, when you talk to a narrative designer, the classic thing you're going to hear is uh, I'm under NDA. Uh, yeah. I'm under an NDA. <laughs> I, I am currently under an NDA um, yeah. the, uh, for this big project that I'm working on. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, it really runs the gamut. Like for example, this year, um, earlier this year, uh, a game released uh, that I was a narrative director on called uh, Fallen Legion Revenants. And on okay. that game, I, it was a. It's an action RPG, and on that game, I, I did everything from helping craft the overall narrative to help doing world building to dialogue to quests to helping with the system where you did a dialogue system where the characters all interact with each other. And if you piss this character off, another character will be pissed off at you. But, you know, mm-hmm. these alliances that form and stuff, it was a really complex project um, that took maybe two and a half years, two, two and a half oh, years yeah. or something of work. Um, and then recently I did uh, a game. I was a game writer for uh, a game called Disney Wonderful Worlds, which is a mobile game. Um, okay. And it's a puzzle game. And I wrote uh, the all the the text and uh, all the dialogue in Toy Story Land. So mm-hmm. you play and you go to Toy Story Land. I wrote all the, the quests and stuff for Buzz and Woody and Forky and such. That took about... Two weeks I want to say, maybe three yeah. weeks, so it really runs the gamut between like doing every related story task for a game or being there for two weeks to write uh to write some dialogue for Forky,
0: yeah, <laughs> um so yeah, so I'm curious then, like when it comes to that, because um obviously the d t r p g world has its own issues, a lot of which reflect those of the gaming like video gaming world just on a smaller scale, right. Um, but when it came to like writing and stuff like that, and having grown up um around diverse cultures, is that something that you had the freedom to incorporate and did incorporate and like how did you you know i think now as a, an adult a thirty nine year old adult like are you conscious of that stuff when you're writing?
1: I'm very conscious of it um yeah, I'm extremely conscious, especially because um I'm a I'm a writer who typically especially in video games I work for um a lot of foreign clients mm-hmm. who uh so their the publisher isn't based in the US. They're based right. in, you know, uh I've worked for once in Singapore, I've worked for once in uh Ukraine, I've worked for once in India. And so uh you know, I and they're basically looking to me as the the reason they're hiring me partly, you know, I go through a, a an audition process and Mm -hmm. they like my writing the best but also they want to hire an american writer because they want to tap into an american market and so Mm -hmm. i'm i make it very clear when i'm writing these stories it's like if you want to tap into an american market you need a diverse there needs to be a diverse set of characters here um because you're going to have a diverse player base because that's how um, that's what america is like you know Mm -hmm. um i can't you know if you want uh, something that appeals to an Eastern European market, you know, in terms of a story, like feel free to go ahead and hire an Eastern European writer, you know, but I'm going to write with an American sensibility. What I, and, and also, you know, so, so a, so I just think it's, I just think it's honest. Like, it's just like, you know, um, it's just the way the, our world is. So if I'm a writer and I'm not writing to that, um, you know unless there's a very specific reason like where it's like i don't know you're this game takes place in a 1950s country club and like if that's the case then like you know i'm yeah. making fun of white people <laughs> yeah. like i'm you yeah. know i'm yeah. using that as an opportunity to satirize uh the culture uh yeah. you know so <laughs> uh so yeah i just feel like that's just yeah it's just Naturally, I've, I'm gonna write. To, I, that's what I'm gonna write.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, I think it is. It's good, and I think um, I'm glad that it it, it seems self evident to you because I think there's still people out there in the world, obviously, who it's not self evident to because we we see the products that come out <laughs> and go. Yeah, one oh, well, hundred percent. Really, did not even think about this at all.
1: So. It's, uh, but you know, it's also, you know, there's like the, there's the thing of how did you grow up? You know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in these spaces who are creatives in these spaces who didn't go to school with PCs. You know, they they didn't go to school yeah. with other people. They didn't. They don't have. They they don't know have diverse friends or even watch diverse television or you know so yeah. they're not expo- they're not exposed to it at all and so yeah it makes sense as writers or or game creators or whatever that they don't include it but the problem is that's just not the that's not the world we live in and yeah. i think that's that is one of the that is the primary thing of so writer i mean i listen i you know what in programming it's a whole other thing because you have racist algorithms which is super cool and uh but i'm gonna leave that to the i'm gonna leave that to the to the tech people to figure out from a writing perspective you know our job i feel is uh you know to connect emotionally with our audience Mm -hmm. and to reflect the human experience that's that's what we're here to do and you know to the extent that I can reflect the human experience as honestly as I can, I'm doing my best work. And yeah. so that to me means representing the world as I see it. And the world as I see it is a diverse place. Um, so uh, I'm not doing my job if, uh, if I'm not doing that. So, yeah. And that's just the basic level. You know, that, that I consider that to be just the fundamental stuff. Then yeah. there's all this other there's there's language you know how you use language there's how you use metaphor there's all this other there's there's a lot you build on top of that but just the mm-hmm. basic if somebody can can produce you know even with the with just the bare bones you know with ba- I mean you see that right like the classic like you know Ernest Hemingway kind of thing of like you know this person's writing isn't flowery you know mm-hmm. but they really did a good job of like showing you what their world is like that's to me yeah. that's like that's good writing. You know, that's yeah. just, that's, that's, that's just, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm here for. And then anything else I get is like, oh, it's cool. You're, you're a fancy boy. <laughs> Went to college. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, allusion to some 18th century <laughs> piece of literature or whatever, but yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. So, um, what, uh, <clears throat> cause you said that, you know, games became the focus. Um, when it comes to the TTRPG stuff, is that something that you just did kind of as a hobby? Obviously, you wanted to sell, of course, but like, um, what was the the draw there for you on that end?
1: I guess the first the first TTRPG product that I put out into the world was part of. I was I was uh, with, uh, I, I co ran a publishing house with my partner Amanda for uh, for many years, and uh, the at least this is the first one I can remember. Uh, the we did these, so we we would make these mags. We did these comedy magazines. They called okay. the Devastator, and it featured uh, writers and artists from the Daily Show, the Onion, Adult Swim, and they were print magazines, and uh, they were like book. They were uh, magazine is they were like anthologies, basically like little okay. anthologies. <clears throat> and we would have two sides. One of them was the initial cover, where it would say something like you know cats we do an issue about cat. all the cat contributors would do something about cats or science fiction someone would do that, and then you'd flip it over and there'd be like a pretend book on the other side so it'd be like a cup be like a cover and like a couple pages so it was like a funny thing you could put it on your coffee table or something and it would be like what is this weird book that this that this mm-hmm. person has you know yeah. um so we did fantasy as a topic and I pitched an idea that that the group decided would want it to be the back cover book, which was doing a parody uh, game of Dungeons and Dragons that was actually playable. That uh, and is there uh, is there swearing on yeah, your yeah, show? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, it's uh, we called it Wizards of Cockblock Forest, and uh, basically it was like uh, it was like taking dating in L.A. at that time, how I saw it, and sort of transposing that. To the rules and mechanics of a TTRPG like Dungeons and Dragons, obviously much simplified, but mm-hmm. uh, and then parodying some of the conventions of Dungeons and Dragons in the realm of in the realm of dating and dating pol- like dating politics. Um, yeah. Basically, um, everybody plays a loser wizard, and your your stats are actually like inhibitors, so you have like awkwardness and like. Uh, creepiness and stuff and as you play and as you learn to socialize you lo- you you can uh lower your your bad mecha- you could lower your inhibitors basically your dice inhibitors so you could be you could do better at da- so you could do better at dating um yeah. and so uh and so that I guess that was the that was sort of my initial <clears throat> sort of stab at doing one of those i I really liked it i i i it was a lot of fun to do to do those and and i started making yeah i started making more game started making more more game stuff uh independently and experimenting with mechanics and tabletop stuff um so it sort of came out of a out of my business but um but it ended up being sort of i guess sort of a hobby but i also do it for as freelance too so a little column a a little column b
0: yeah, did what was uh, like how well was that um, received the the game that you made? Very a, well. Very well. It was yeah. one. It,
1: it was one of the best selling things we we did with Devastator. It was. Uh, it was. It when we des- we decided. In fact, it sold that fantasy book so well that we spun it off into like zines, into RPG zines that would always sell out at the that would always sell out at the table. And then we did a uh, we did. A, we did a sequel book. We did an expansion book to super advanced wizards of cockblock forest. Uh, and so, so, uh, so yeah, there, there were, uh, it, it did very well for us. People, people really liked it and we played it. We would go to the various comic conventions and we would play it and people had a lot of fun with it. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. It was cool. That was another thing it was it's really fun to see people to play test to see people playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is the most fun because then you learn, you, you, it, it's always a surprise about like what worked and what didn't. And yeah. it's always fun to see, oh shoot. Like, like, that's the thing. That's what the game It's You always think like, oh, this is where, this is what people are going to do with the game. And then they played the game and it's like, oh no, we got the game completely backwards. Like, this is the game. This is the game. Like yeah. we have to completely rewrite this. But then you're excited. It's like, oh my god! It's like a revelation. Like, of course, how come I didn't see it? You know. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. It's it's cool. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a favorite part. So yeah, it was it was received very well.
0: That's awesome. And so um, you know, now you have um, target run, correct? Yes, that's right. Run. So uh, yeah, how did that? Because um, I think is your. You've done your Kickstarter and everything, right?
1: Kickstarter. That- we we didn't do Kickstarter for this. This was just okay. a DM scale. I made this uh, as part of the the writers for the RPG writers workshop okay. last year, um, which is a month long program. And uh, I, it was during the pandemic, and I was like, you know what? Pe-? What happened was people kept asking me if I knew how to write Dungeons and Dragons modules. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how to do that. I do know how to write TTRPGs. I could write yeah. you like a whole new system and they were like, no, no, no. This has to be a and d module. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess they need to learn how to write D&D modules cuz that's what people seem to want. And so I took this class and uh and I I just, they one of the aspects of the class is they they say, "Okay, like you know, you one way to be inspired for making a D and D module is to think of a movie that you really like that you would like to sort of not copy but like you let that inspire your the yeah. essence of your adventure. And I was like, oh, you know what would be funny and interesting, and I'm guessing nobody has done it or few people have done it would be to do a sports comedy. Uh, like major league, or like any one of these '80s goofball comedies. I love yeah. uh, '80s goofball comedies. Mm-hmm. I really like that, like anything goes, throw it to the wall kind of energy. Yeah. Um, many of them are terrible. <laughs> um, that, but but that doesn't hinder my enjoyment of them. And in fact, in some ways, I think I like the worst ones the best um, yeah. because they're they're so they're just so sweaty like when <laughs> you can see the sweat on the perfor- like the ah oh, that muah, magnifique <laughs> so anyway i i thought oh sports comedy like a like like that'd be interesting because um i'm not like i'm not a huge combat guy um yeah. so i thought it would be interesting to try to reinvent rethink DD combat in terms of sports mechanics right making the combat non-lethal um point make it points based and uh and and see where that took me uh, so it was like oh this this not only presents an interesting narrative uh challenge of uh, of adapting that sort of snobs versus slobs uh you know uh plot type you know but also like a game design challenge like can i make a sport in D and D and uh, yeah, other, others have done it uh, before. I was not the, I was not the first, Um, (laughs) but, uh, but I haven't seen anybody do really a sports, a like a sports comedy in this way. Like you see like movies do inspire a lot of D and D modules, but like, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen, I haven't seen one yet that was like a sports comedy like the classic stops versus slobs, like what you'd expect from, from a film in the same way that like, there's a really good, like Jurassic park module that like, d- and you see that like, for, for like, for like, d- for like Dungeons and Dragons, like I've seen other movies that, that get adapted, but, um, but, but so yeah. So anyway, it was, uh, it was really, it was really a cool challenge. It was really a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So, um, cause I haven't had, I did look at like the, I wanted to see the game mechanics. I just haven't had the time to go through the whole module. Um, but I, I'm curious in the term – and you're talking about the sports comedy aspect of it. Yeah. How do you translate comedy as a writer into something that people are going to take an improv with, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, like how do you inherently give it that space?
1: So, yeah, this is I, – and I think the answer is um, with suggestion. Um okay. So, uh, so for every character that I write, um, I, I give them at the very beginning, I, as a designer, I introduce them with a line of dialogue. So it's just a single line of dialogue that with that first line, I just want to give the, get the humor across and get that the personality of that character across. So, so like we understand like where we're, we have a starting place, a shared Mm -hmm. sense of understanding. And then, um, and then yeah suggestions like like for example one of the elements of elegant is and the story is that the so it's uh, it's based in a hotel in the middle of the forest like a spa in the middle of the forest a high elf spa called overlook uh called overlook heights mm-hmm. and uh it's based in a tree it's like a treehouse elven spa but uh it was built into this the tree that was previously uh, the, whose land was owned by um, a group of pixies, and these the pixies are now revolutionaries who are trying to take back their land, mm-hmm. but of course, like pixies they 're not like generally speaking like warring creatures, yeah. so they 're using pranks, so they 're using pranks okay. so 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 there 's a prank table. So your elegant game is going to be interrupted by these pixies and you they've got all of these pranks and depending on the roles and stuff, the pranks get are, are more or less extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so, so you have this stuff def- and they have a whole storyline that you can, you, you, and I will give you a hint. You should definitely support them. Um, but if you choose to support them and you should definitely, if you're playing the spot, you should absolutely support them. Um, you, uh, you, you can, you, you know, not only can you uh, get their land back, but you also create this sort of ending, this sort of chaotic ending of the pixie revolution where they like go through and they like, you know, are messing up the whole, you know, the hotel, which is populated entirely by snooty high elves. So yeah. it's this, it's like a lot of these 80s comedies, particularly the sports ones, but, but a lot of these comedies, sports snobs versus slops, there has to be some big, climactic chaotic conclusion right yeah. where like ev- where where like the the heroes come up and like destroy everything in order to rebuild in order to rebuild it right cuz that's mm-hmm. the idea it's like the society as it exists it sucks it needs to be it, we need a revolution and so uh in the comedy it's a funny Revolu- it's a revolution of throwing pies and, uh, you know, setting things on fire and, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, pushing, you know, lifting up, uh, you know, ripping somebody's pants off to expose their boxer shorts, you know, that kind of yeah. that kind of revolution. So,
0: gotcha.
1: uh, yeah, so, so 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 with suggestion and also by including the humor, building humor into the mechanics. Okay. Um you, I, I can get that across without necessarily like dictating every joke and every line. Cause I, you're yeah. right. It is, it is improv and the DM is going to put their own spin on it, their own humor into it. In fact, it's going to be mostly their own spin and their own humor, but yeah. I can sort of suggest a tone and, uh, and character archetypes by, um, you know, with, with my writing.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So did you study comedy along with writing?
1: I did. Yeah. I I mean, initially when I came to Los Angeles, um, I pursued comedy writing and I I did it as uh, for years professionally. Um, I worked in a little bit in TV and film, but mostly in uh, mostly in like internet humor, like internet comedy. Like there, there was a long, there was several years where there were websites that paid you for comedy uh they all stopped all of them ended uh, and it was all because of Facebook Facebook yeah. ruined the business but for a while it, there was like an industry there was like a there was like a booming internet comedy industry and I was I was part of that scene um and I worked in publishing for many years and mm-hmm. and as a comedy writer with the yeah. in the with the devastator um so yeah I would do various I do various I still write comedy to this day I mean I obviously you know writing for uh for you know mobile games and stuff there's usually a lot of humor in yeah. those and in the current big consoles game i'm writing there's quite a bit of humor in it you know so uh so i i i continue to write comedy but yeah i did i did study it and i was uh i did improv for many years at the uh theaters like the ucb and uh, los angeles i studied in at the new york uh, ucb as well yeah. um so yeah
0: that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, um, yeah, you, you mentioned the, like the internet comedy shows and stuff like that. And you made me think like, I didn't realize it until I started watching Dimension 20 this year, that Dimension 20 is part of dropout TV, which is part of college humor or whatever. And yeah. so I was like, that's such a weird, cause I remember, I remember seeing college humor, but not really ever engaging with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But knowing that it was something – and it was just like – so I just – if somebody was like, oh, yeah, go watch a Dungeons & Dragons show on College Humor, I'd be like, I'm not doing that.
1: <laughs> right. But, yeah, you know they what reali- – I think they realized that, which is why it's like yeah. brand on top of brand <laughs> on top of brand, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, I mean, no. yeah, obviously it's one of the best shows out there now. So, obviously they figured it out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting to see it. And I think it's it's such a cool – aspect of it because you know having people who do improv and comedy as professionals do excuse me um ttrpg stuff i think it really improves the field personally obviously actors do a great job too i, I mean critical role is you know insanely successful um yeah. being actors who do it and there is some comedy elements to it uh, though not as much and uh but yeah, I think having those two things in the field helps with people who are just normal day-to-day people. Because even if we're not like trained in it, I think it still inspires to try different things, to go outside of the box, and uh, and you know look at different ideas.
1: Oh, I agree hundred um, percent. I mean, certainly, if your goal is to get people to watch you play a TTRPG. Then you being good at performing for an audience is very useful skill to have, and yeah. uh, and the way you build that skill generally is by performing in front of an audience. So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And also, I think it, um, yeah, it, it, you know, I think D and D can be, and I I get intimidated by D and I mean, I've I've read books at this point. I've written. D&D modules and content and I still get intimidated by the lore and the rules and the amount of stuff in yeah. D&D. But the reason I can con- I know I can connect to it is because a as a game designer I understand that D&D is actually very and, and all TTRPGs generally speaking are actually very basic like and this is what I have to remind people it's like it's it's very simple. Yeah. You as a character say you want to do something. Another person tells you to roll a die and if you you have to roll a certain number or higher in order to do that thing. And if you don't, then you fail at that thing. And that's pretty much all TTRPGs are, but because there's all this, you know, because there's all this lore and rules and I think people get intimidated. And I think also it sort of ferments in people's minds. Oh, this is like what a D and D player is. Right, and I think that a lot of times people think it's like a white guy, right? It's like yeah. it's like yeah. a white guy with a beard who looks like me, and it's like you know we're you know maybe a little older and and it's like you know with like graying temples or whatever, and it's like uh you know oh that's not how a that's not how an owl bear would work, you know yeah. um, and that's you know and that could be intimidating, so you see you know young people young especially comedians you know who are very personable. You know, who come from different backgrounds, like playing these games and like understanding. Oh, I think it's just it's that representation alone allows people to say, "Oh, okay, maybe I can do this." Yeah, you know, maybe this is maybe this is for me um, in a way that you would you wouldn't before you wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Yeah, and I'll say like because my as as of this recording, I just released my first one shot on the show, which is the first time I've ever performed you know in the sense of like putting it out there for somebody to listen to congratulations um, yeah thank you um and that being said like my home game is very low key like there's a reason that my players and I like over covid weren't like let's make an actual play because we were just like we like our we like to look up rules we like to hang out we like to take our breaks we have our own family stuff that we're doing um and so when i was like okay i'm going to do these one shots i'm going to bring another podcast and stuff Uh, it was very much like understanding there is performative aspect to this that I have to be aware of. And um, it's an audio show. So I have to like, make sure that I'm being more descriptive. Um, And I, you know, I definitely don't think that I hit a 10 out of 10 on these things, but I think I did pretty good. But um, my point being is like, it definitely, while there wasn't for me a Matt Mercer effect of like, I need to be Matt Mercer. It was like, Okay, I want people to enjoy this, though, so like you know being natural, but also bringing out the most that I can from my cast so that we're having fun and people know that we're having fun and then have fun with us um definitely was conscious on my mind, and I am not yeah. a comedian or improv actor or anything like that, so you know, for us, it was just like, well, I enjoy these games, I want to expose more people to Pathfinder because um, there are a lot of people who listen that tell me they want to try it, but haven't had the chance. So it's like, okay, well, here's a chance we can, at least you can see what a game looks like from somebody that you enjoy listening to. Um, and, um, but yeah, so I think that there's, you know, it definitely changes the way that you look at this stuff when it's like, all right, you this is being published for people to listen to. So, you know.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, no, a hundred percent. It's like, For me, you know, playing a TTRPG with friends around a table, you know, it's like, you know, it's like playing racquetball in the backyard, and like playing it, uh, it doing the game in an actual play is like playing tennis in a tournament. You know, it's it's uh, you know when you when there's an audience or when there's the idea of an audience. I think you just play. Di- I think you just play differently. It's mm-hmm. just it's it's not the same thing. I I in my in my opinion, yeah. um, we do we do a show. Um, I do a show with my with my friends called uh, Worst Movies Ever Played, and yeah. we play uh, a system called uh, Straight to VHS. And it's uh, we we basically we make. I'm telling you how much I love bad '80s movies. We we make up bad '80s movies. So we do one shots that are all like original bad movies um <laughs> from the from the vhs era yeah. and so yeah and i'm playing with two other comedians and so yeah the, the three of us you know we try to impress we're trying to impress each other yeah you know we're trying to uh you know we're trying to 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 give each you know we're, we're trying to up each other's jokes and so you know so there's even competition between the three of us and also cooperation you know with an understanding when we listen back to it, we hear what's funny in previous episodes. And so we like start to learn like, okay, I get, you know, I I know what's funny about uh, what my partner, I know what's funny about Brent, one of my, one of our co-hosts, he will go off on a tangent about some arcane science or nature thing. So he'll go out in the first episode He did like a ten minute monologue about buckwheat and like why, like this, like why, like like we were in the fields of uh, of buckwheat and why that was like important to the story and and like uh, so yeah so then uh, so then he would so then he would in later games he would be like you know. Are they're uh oh they willows are you know is, is this a willow field and I was like no no, no brent yeah tell us what, what is it about the willow what is it about the willow field that's interesting like I like really let's dive deep let's dive deep into this you know teasing yeah. him a bit but also knowing that like I'm gonna get a fascinating answer like that he's gonna uh, that he's gonna entertain me yeah. uh for for 10 minutes because he just knows so much about these arcane uh subjects so it's really funny so so yeah you sort of in the same way of like playing a professional sport where it's like, oh, I know, you know, this, you know, this uh, person is, you know, oh, if I, you know, if, if I go long, you know, if I throw, if I go wide, he's a great wide receiver, he'll catch it deep, you know, whereas I want to play to this guy, I want to pass short to him, he's not as good, but he he can, he can run it. So, you know, he'll be able to run around, you know knowing the players strengths and weaknesses makes the game more fun. I think in yeah. the same way like TTRPGs are actual plays can also work that way too. It's like, "Oh, I know his strengths. is playing as a barbarian, you know, and and he's really funny when he crushes other opponents. So I'm going to give him a lot of weak opponents to crush specifically just to hear him do just to hear him do it, you know." Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, I think um, you know, it helps having um, obviously chemistry there too. Um, it was nice because in doing these, I get to obviously pick who the cast is because I'm the one that's going to run the game. So, uh, And I'm the one that invites them to play it. Um, but, you know, I've been fortunate with um, 98% of my cast to remain like in communication with them afterwards, become friends with some of them. and um, And so to have that already like established... Uh, chemistry there made it a little bit easier to be like, okay, I know, like, uh, I know that these are things that your cast members do to you on your show that works. And outside the benefit I should say too, of having listened to them for multiple episodes on their own projects. So I you know, had the advantage there of like, okay, I know the things that have worked on your show. Um, I know the things that are sort of almost inside jokes to you and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it definitely... Mm-hmm. It changed it a lot um, uh, in in the sense of like how I would normally play the game, but I think I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. Um, you know, it's just like, different. It's just yeah. a different
1: way to play. You know? Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like, it's like playing catch or playing, you know, college football. It's like, they're both fun, but it's, yeah. but it's very, it's just very different.
0: Yeah, for sure. What other um, TTRPG projects are you working on? Are like, yeah, I mean, do you continue are you going to continue staying in the D&D space because that's a system you're comfortable with or, you know, do you want to come Um, out? yeah, I'm I'm sort of I well,
1: right now I would say the um I, I it's not exactly a TTRPG, but it's definitely related. Mm-hmm. Um the big thing I've been working on now and for the past couple of years is um it's a newsletter RPG uh, okay. called Adventure Snack, and the idea is that you get these um these adventure these micro game books emailed to you every two weeks i so okay. i designed them and they're like little they're like tiny like meant to be played on lunch break yeah. and uh and yeah and uh, you subscribe just like you do with a with a newsletter but you actually play them they're interactive so okay. uh so i did one recently you are trapped in a 90s video game and so you play like a game tester and it's the ultimate job uh you know, and you get sucked into a video game, and you have to go, uh, and then you your your character you you click on various things, and you're try- you're going from game to game trying to to, to escape the game world. Um, yeah. Or there was one I did uh, years ago called uh, "You Are the President's Cat," where uh, basically terrorists are are coming, but you are the president's cat, so you have to you have to save the day, but you are a cat. And so how are you going to do that? And you, you basically, you get like one or two choices that you could, you can make in the story to get yeah. to your, to get to your ending. Um, and they're fun. They're like really fun to do. Um, we've done over 50 at this point. Uh, oh, wow. I've submitted over 50 games. Yeah. Um, I think it's about 200. I, I just did it recently. Let me look at the, let me look at the, uh, the Google doc here at this point. I think we're about 200. Yeah. Look at that. I think it's, 250 pages of story of choosable story at this point which is pretty wild yeah um yeah it just uh, just time sort of flew versus like oh yeah oh wow i've written a lot lot of these um and it's great yeah you can the folks can you can get that for free at uh, adventuresnack.com um and uh there's so much fun to there's so much fun to do and you know as a com it's nice because I can combine some of the comedy writing I do with also exploring different genres and also exploring different mechanics too so Mm -hmm. we use so in in some ways they're more similar to like fighting fantasy than they are to like choose your own adventure in that there's like play mechanics like Mm -hmm. scoring and stuff like that that get incorporated in and like you know, objects and things you collect and stuff in, in a lot of them. So, um, so it's like a little bit more complex, a little bit more, slightly more complex than the average, uh, than the average American game book. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of cool. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. Is there, is there um, another system that you would like to try or do you just, do you enjoy making your own systems that much where you feel like you kind of just want to stay with what you're doing?
1: I think I would do... I think my next one would do be... I would do another d and I think I'd do another D&D as a follow-up. I'd like yeah. to. I have some ideas about what I could do as a follow-up to Target Run. I'm really happy with the, the response to Target Run. Um, it was the number one uh, community comedy on the DMs Guild. Okay. Um, it was a top awesome. five uh, yeah. uh, product and on the uh, $5 and under category, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And people seem to really dig it. So, so I'd probably stick with D&D. Just partly from because there's an because there's a such a there's a audience there it really helps from a mar, i mean just from a marketing perspective right, it's a lot right. it's a lot easier um you know it's uh the, the, otherwise you know maybe you could catch maybe you could catch some luck on Kickstarter or something like that with a with a new system but um we did that with uh, i i did that once with um the wet hot American summer game I did the it was the official game for that comedy series okay Um, and uh we had involvement when we we worked with the director david wayne and some of the Mm -hmm. cast and stuff to put it together It was really cool uh it was really fun to work on it um but yeah it was a it was an it it was a major undertaking you know finding (laughs) the audience for it um you know whereas with the dms guild it's like they've collected all the the dms yeah. you know so it's like if a, you know it's like makes it easy it's like oh okay if i just make a product that that works on this website like i could i know exactly who it's for you know yeah
0: that's true yeah when i had a uh, mark on from uh magpie games uh he talked about that like the ways to make money in ttrpgs and that was one of them was just like just write stuff for D and D. like it's very, very much a um like you said it's a it's a built-in you know marketing and Um, there's so many people out there that are doing, um, products for, you know, obviously at varying levels, um, of both, uh, quality and success, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's cool that, uh, you know, there's more stuff out there and and I definitely want to try it. Um, I just love Pathfinders Mechanics more so i'm like maybe i yeah. can just switch it over because i mean it's you know it's d20 system so there's really not that much difference uh um,
1: I, I can't imagine it. it the t- target run isn't really like uh, it doesn't i don't think it relies super heavily on the specific mechanics of five five of of, of you know of uh, yeah. five e i i think it's uh I think you. I think it would be easy enough to 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 run it in Pathfinder. Yeah. I would imagine. But then again, I'm no Pathfinder expert like yourself.
0: So, <laughs> I'm certainly uh, not an expert. You listen <laughs> to the one shot and, and me go. I don't know how this thing works. There are certain <laughs> like things like, I think it's just no matter how many times I read it, like when I look at it on a character sheet, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I need like somebody who is truly an expert in this to come tell me what it is, or I'm just going to run it the way I want to run it. And then that's fine too. Cause um, like many things in TTRPG world, we can just kind of do what we want and uh, for the most part, it's going to work. Yeah,
1: that's um, right. Yeah. As long yeah. as it's fun for your players, right? That's yeah. the, the, the end of the day. That's all you're doing. You know, it's just entertaining yeah. your friends around a table. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: um, so my, my last question, because you are a narrative writer, are there narrative game systems that interest you um for that aspect um mm. like PbtA or like the um you know uh what are they like Vampire the Masquerade I forget what the system's called but
1: yeah. Um, well, you mentioned those two. That's interesting. I, I'm about to play my first, um, my first PBTA game um, for an actual play. Um, so I don't know if I can talk about it yet, but okay. some, a, a friend of mine is, is putting it together. It's going to be a fun, it's going to be very funny, but the yeah. thing I am, I, I, you asked if I, from a narrative perspective, I'm very interested in seeing how they, cause I know the I love the idea of story elements as mechanics I think that's so cool and yeah. I'm very interested in how that plays. Um, vampire, fast, LARPing is fascinating. I, so in high school I played this aberrant, but the game I didn't play was, was vampire, but I would used to go and watch my friends play it. But I yeah. thought it was a little bit of a bridge too far for me <clears throat> yeah. of like dressing up as a vampire and like running around <laughs> my college, like a college campus, like as a yeah. vampire, like it didn't, it didn't do it for me, but um but I was always but I was so fascinated with the with the narrative of that, that I actually ended up doing like a college TV show based on my experiences um, observing Vampire the Masquerade. So it so it did it did end up uh, inspiring me in, in certain That's ways. Funny.
0: Um, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. You can actually play like as a dice game, though. Now.
1: Yeah, I know. Or, uh, yeah, you you yeah. absolutely can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's another you know i really love um straight i really love straight to v h s um but there are other ones coming out um I think three to one action is one that's uh that okay. interests me that's that's also um like a like a movie generator that I, okay. I i i love you know i love movies i and so like that to me that that world is always fascinating of like trying to transpose that kind of storytelling into a TTRPG and like how they do it. So that's what I'm probably going to pick up and, and, and check out and see how they, how they, how it differs from straight to VHS uh, and see like, oh, okay, they both, cause it's interesting. Like they're both trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So it's interesting to see like, oh, okay, they, but they did it so much, different you know, more yeah. differently in this, you know, do
0: yeah, I don't know uh, how much you're into like horror game and stuff like that, but like um, Delta Green is a similar to Call of Cthulhu game, um, but just more modern. And um, you should definitely check out Made Roleplay. They do um, a Delta Green game, and it it is very cinematic. It's still, you know, they're still obviously playing a TTRPG, but the, I mean, it is one of the best shows I've ever listened to. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Super, super lucky to have met um, quite a few of those folks there. And uh, yeah, it's ch- definitely check it out. It's such a great podcast.
1: Admittedly, admittedly, not uh, traditionally not a horror guy lately opening up to it, yeah. opening up to horror. I'm opening up to horror faster than I am to traditional Tolkien fantasy. <laughs> I'm starting to, find, And you know why? Oh, yeah. You know why? Because there's a lot of cheesy horror. And yeah. that's sort of been my gateway. Uh, I've been watching a lot of like bad horror and like funny horror. And that's sort of been like, oh, okay, maybe I can ease into some things that are uh, that are actually scary. So, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe that, that's, I, I, I'll i definitely check that out. That yeah. sounds really cool.
0: Yeah. And I mean, from what I understand on uh, itch.io, there's, or itch.io is what I always call it. I don't know what it's supposed to be yeah, called. I yeah, I always call it itch. Yeah, but anyway, they, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, on there, there are quite a few um, independent uh, TTRPGs that people have made, and a lot of them are like vampire games or other types of, you know, kind of funny horror games. So, a good place. I to actually did for, one. I did one did this you? year for oh, yeah.
1: uh, for um, one page RPG day. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one called Happiest Place, and the idea is it's a TTRPG where you make a theme park. You're like Imagineers and oh, you nice. make a theme park with your friends. So you build it and you build it and ride it together. Um, <laughs> and it's free and you could, you could get it on, you could get it on itch. Uh, yeah, it's free play.
0: cool. Well, very cool. Well, yeah, I'm, um, you know, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and and talking about all this stuff. And
1: this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I will continue listening and uh, you're, you're doing great work. Keep up the great work with your podcast.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing.